You're listening to Now I've Heard Everything, presenting interviews with famous, fascinating, influential personalities from the 80s, 90s, and 2000s. That's one of the things about poems that is so special. They're short, they're intense, they travel easily. People tend to think of poetry as being like an old-fashioned, little obscure, weird pastime. Author and presidential daughter Caroline Kennedy. Today on Now I've Heard Everything, I'm Bill Thompson. From a very early age, Caroline Kennedy was trained to appreciate the beauty and the power of poetry. And why not, of course? Her father was a famous author, her mother an author and book editor. Of course, they were better known as President John F. Kennedy and First Lady Jacqueline Kennedy. But one of their lasting, enduring legacies to their children was this love of literature. So, no surprise, in 2011, Caroline Kennedy published a poetry anthology. Now, this was actually not the first time I'd met and interviewed her, but it was the first time that we talked about something as personal and meaningful as poetry especially since both of us had just recently passed the half-century mark. So here now from 2011, Caroline Kennedy. When I turned 30, when I turned 40, it didn't bother me, but when I turned 50, it freaked me <laughs> out. I don't know why. Maybe somebody should have sent me some poetry. Yeah, really. It's, uh, it was a great help. When I turned 50, I was freaking out, mostly because all the people I had seen turn 50 before me were f- freaked out. And then now, looking back on it, obviously, like I can't believe that I was so freaked out. But people did send me a few poems, and they really were great. I was really in the right frame of mind to read them, and... Um, and I've given and received poems all my life, but it seemed like that, that, and then I had the time or I came up with the idea of putting them in a book. So, and indeed we see those poems in this book, don't we? Yeah, there are actually the three poems that started this book. One is a Wallace Stevens poem, uh, poems of our climate. And then there's an Auden poem, uh, leap before you look and, uh, March PRC to be of use are the, the three that I think of that started this project. So one thing that I really like about this book is that you've got the old standbys, you know, the ones, the, the poets that we think, seem to think of first, you know, Elizabeth Barrett Browning and all those ones that we learned in school and then forgot the next semester. But you've got some wonderful contemporary living poets. That was, for me, the best part. And it really came uh, as an evolution, because when I started, I went back to my old chestnuts, as I uh, typically do. And there are two sections in the book where contemporary poets... I think play a, a greater role than others. One is in, about writing about work uh, and kind of modern kinds of work and also in the s- section about friendship and uh, friendship between women because obviously I don't think in the 16th and 17th century men wrote about friendship between women as much. But those were great and I also got to meet some of the poets and I reached out to them for help uh, and I'm going to San Antonio and a lot of them live there and that's uh, something that I'm looking forward to. I'm guessing the classification of which poem belongs in which section is a little subjective because honestly one of my favorites the Roy Croft poem you put in the friendship section I'd always thought of it as the romantic you know the the the, the man wife you know talking to each other the kind of poem you know the, the I love you not only for what you are but for what I am when I'm with you I figured always that was kind of romantic I agree with you, but there are a lot more other poems that I could put in the romantic section, and so um, and friendship was a hard one to to fill, and so I thought. And but I 
would like to ask you about Roy Croft because there is some question as to his actual existence. But the poem is nice, so it stayed in. But there's a lot going on with that. Back in the 70s, I used to listen to a late-night radio show in Chicago, and he would open every night with Melody of Love, and he would read the first couple lines of the Roy Croft poem. So that's why I always thought of it as a romantic kind of thing. Oh, that's so nice. Well, this is, shows you exactly how poems carry all these memories with them, and then you pass them on to someone else, and they carry that along too. So, And it is like... When you smell a perfume that you haven't smelled in 30 years, and you realize, oh, all those memories coming back, you know. It's, it's so fascinating. It would be so fascinating to know all the different association trees that each person brings to a poem, because they're like these little capsules that, that travel along and carry with them all these associations and memories or experiences. And so I think that's one of the things about poems that is so special, and it's actually very contemporary because they're short they're intense they're easily they travel easily they happen between people and those are all sort of features of modern life but people tend to think of poetry as being like an old-fashioned mm-hmm. kind of uh, little obscure weird pastime maybe it's because so many of us were forced to write poetry and to memorize poetry when we were in school we were kind of negativized about it yeah but don't you remember the poems that you memorized and now you actually like them only with a grudge some of them (laughs) (laughs) but the other thing is and i noticed this in school i've noticed it to this day it seems to me more girls slash women who are into poetry than men and this book is appeals to men obviously it appeals to me so it appeals men but i noticed i think it was on page 103 the little aside where you said and how many men really like to read poetry anyway? You didn't think I'd catch that, did you? <laughs> I was hoping you would, so that you would have to make up for your deficiency. Well, I noticed I, this is my fourth poetry anthology, third that I've um, completed and been out talking about. And almost everyone who shows up to buy a poetry book is a woman, and they, they say they're buying it for their daughter. And so it just seemed to me from my very scientific statistical sample that that was the case. Although in the past, I mean, obviously the great love poetry and poetry was all written by men and I'm sure it was read by men. So so I don't fully understand why this has happened. But in my next one, which is a poem to learn by heart, because I think that especially boys seem to really like, they go through, a lot of boys go through an age phase where they love to memorize and spout uh, things. And so that has... I tried to include poems that were more stereotypical uh, boy poems just because I feel like it's not right. However, uh, it is the way it is, and women seem to inhabit the world of emotion and and sort of being keepers of that in, in families and in our society and our, in the values area. And so I think that they typically do pick up a book of poetry before men do. But then again, I mean, the book is called She Walks in Beauty. I mean, it is, your primary audience, of course, is women. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. No, I think women really respond to, I mean, so much of poetry in particular, I mean, the poems in this book are uh, explore human emotions, explore sort of ordinary moments and how they can become extraordinary and in their significance. And I think that women really uh, think about all those things on a daily basis, maybe more than men. After this short break, Caroline Kennedy reflects on how poets turn the mundane into the magical. Now back to my 2011 interview with Caroline Kennedy. 
I wonder how many families, though, still carry on that tradition that yours did of passing poetry, the knowledge of, and the appreciation of poetry from one generation to the next. I wonder if, you can, if it's just men or women, a, a dying art. I think it's not, obviously, as, I mean, there's a lot more competition uh, for entertainment now uh, if, with poetry than there used to be, but I, I know that people still do it, and I can't, there was uh, somebody I was worked in a bookstore, I think, that I was at recently who told me that uh, her grandfather always carried a poem in his wallet, and she read it at his memorial service. And so I think that people, it does still happen. And it is one of the, th- I think when you have a parent or grandparent that has a favorite poem, uh, it's really something that you remember. Maybe you could get more boys, young men interested, if you say, hey, i got a poem where a guy kills his wife's lover, <laughs> feeds her his heart. Ooh. I know. How amazing is that? Uh, and also, um, you know, if you can recite a poem, I mean, the girls will come flocking to you. <laughs> <laughs> and some of this stuff, and again, it probably goes back to that, that the negative stuff from school, but honestly, a lot of those poems in here were just, the ones that I was not familiar with were just of a kind of beauty that, that I hadn't fully realized was there. I mean, they're, 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 they're not the, I guess, the limerick kind of poem where every line has to rhyme with every line. It's just it, it, A lot of them are, are stories as much as poems. I think there's a lot of nar- narratives and stories in there, and there's a poem by Queen Elizabeth I, who she's absolutely heartbroken uh, with this breakup, and I guess she felt like she had to send the man away and and then there's the one you mentioned about the knight who um a jealous husband and so i mean there's just pretty much anything that you want to find in there did you make new discoveries in as you were assembling this book oh very much so certainly a lot of the um more contemporary poets uh were new to me uh there's some you know julia alvarez naomi nye i mean even um a lot of the work of Elizabeth Alexander I wasn't familiar with. Obviously, I knew her better-known things. But it was just a chance to read more poems by poets that I knew of. And I just might have known one or two. But then I'd go looking. Well, maybe uh, maybe they wrote about something else. Natasha Trethewey. A lot of those people. who I'd only maybe read one poem, and then I went and read their book. So it was fun for me. So as you reveal in this book, your kids were okay with the falling in love part. But the, when it came to the making love part, it's like, oh, mom. <laughs> yeah, really. But I thought, but at the same time, I was like, well, what's in there, you know? <laughs> so, uh, so I, you know, as as sort of old poetry nerds know, making love includes um, not just what you might hope, but but a lot more of the sort of romantic uh, memento and uh, you know accoutrements of of. Pursuit. But I have to say, once I read your introduction to that section, in which you advise to read between the lines, there's some hot stuff in there. There is, absolutely. I mean, the Song of Solomon is so, I mean, you know, I don't know if explicit is quite the word, but there's not a lot left to the imagination. <laughs> the choices that you made in, in how you divided the sections, you got the falling in love, the making love, the loss, friendship, death, uh, grief. I mean, these are all things that we all could use a little help getting through because sometimes we feel like, oh my gosh, nobody else could, knows how I feel. Nobody knows what I'm going through. Exactly. And I think poets put into words just the basic emotions that every everyone has and the kind of uh, situations that we all confront. And you feel like no one else understands or or how did they put into words exactly what I'm feeling? And I think that's... Uh, 
that's a great gift. And, and if you, I mean, it's a real comfort. And it's, it's like talking to somebody. That is really a conversation because you're inside the poet's mind. They're speaking to you. And, um, and I think that's obviously what, I mean, communication is what creates our whole humanity. So that's really why poetry is so important. And long before there was Twitter and its 140-character limit, great poets learned how to compress incredible amounts of information and emotion into just a few words. Right, and that's obviously some of them rhyme, some of them don't, but mm-hmm. but that goes on today and, and just about modern life as well. So I think that there are some really old poems that that encapsulate and distill the most ancient and timeless feelings, and then there's modern ones that really talk about um, shopping or, uh, you know, work and family or any of the things that, you know, we think are, are new today. I can see people just, as they're listening to you saying that right now, shaking their head saying, you can write a poem about that? Yeah, there's a great poem in here about, uh, there are great poems about trying on a new dress and sort of how that makes you feel and, uh, and you know, washing the hair and the mother and the daughter fighting about, you know, what she's wearing and all kinds of things like that, which I think, again, they're just so mundane, but at the same time, they're something that just every have a tremendous amount of power, and everybody goes through that in some way. But there is beauty in the mundane. Yeah, exactly. And so I think to to realize that it's a universal thing and it's a part of life is is cool. You're not done writing about uh, the government and the civics and the. the- no, actually, I think I might uh, end up going back to those. Those when my kids were young, and it was it was sort of easier given all the other things I was doing to to do these anthologies and it was incredibly rewarding and enjoyable for me so I feel like very lucky but uh, my youngest son's going off to college so I feel like I might have the time to do a more of a research or um, book that involves some travel and some you know more of those kinds of things. So what kind of poem would you choose for the sudden empty nester someone who's been around they've had two three four kids around the house all for your 18 20 24 years all of a sudden the house is as silent as you know, a cemetery and they don't know what to do with themselves uh, oh there's lots of poems uh that i would recommend um i think there's one by one of the brontes let me find it uh how about i'm happiest when most away i can bear my soul from its home of clay on a windy night when the moon is bright and my eye can wander through worlds of light when I am not and none beside nor earth nor sea nor cloudless sky but only spirit wandering wide through infinite immensity were you good at it in school well I mean we just all I remember was having to write poems about autumn (laughs) you know so I one I wrote about autumn I thought was really terrific but otherwise that's about it Caroline Kennedy is 63 now and you can find easy Amazon links to her books at our website, HeardEverything.com. And while you're at HeardEverything.com, listen to my interview with poet Maya Angelou. I have never been able to say exactly what I mean. It's like trying to describe green to a person who is colorblind. And to my conversation with songwriter and poet Suzanne Vega. It's a different way of thinking, and I've always found writing a short piece easier than writing a long piece. I think it's because maybe I have a more circular nature than some people, but that's why a song, for me, is the perfect vehicle. And, of course, we post new episodes here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And you can find us on all major podcast platforms. And thanks for listening. Next time on Now I've Heard Everything, the actor who worked for years to become that overnight success 
and then became a successful TV talk show host. My 1989 conversation with Charles Grodin. You you really can't even uh, get anybody to talk to you. You can't even get anybody to say no. I mean, that's what's really uh, bizarre about this. You can't even get to the point where they'll reject you. That's next time on Now I've Heard Everything. I'm Bill Thompson. Bill Thompson.